0: Gerard, right, found out tonight, nothing player. We mustn't forget that it's been raining, so the pitch is quiet. It's been
3: raining? What's the goalie doing, What's the goalie doing? Have we seen
1: the moment pass? But it might have happened, let's hope not. Houlahan, inviting himself!
0: Hello and welcome back to the second episode of the new season of your favourite football podcast, the Bar Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Connell, joined as always by my co-hosts, Michael and Ronan, and we're ready to talk about all things football. Premier League was back, all the European leagues, some great League viral Ireland action. Uh, coming up on the show later, we'll have a fantastic interview with Irish football writer Dave Donnelly, that Ronan so kindly uh, filled in for me on that interview, so it was a very good interview. Uh, previewing Shamrock Rovers Europa Conference League playoff against Flora Tallinn this week, and just to mention before we get underway of the show, we do have a coffee page or Ko-fi page. I'm still not sure how that's pronounced. If you go to uh, ko-fi.com/barstoolers, uh, you'll be able to contribute to the show if you so wish, and we would greatly appreciate that. Or any money we get from that will be. Uh, Directly put into the podcast in the form of podcast equipment or editing software and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think that's all the housekeeping out of the way. So, how you how you keeping, lads? Have you been on the pints since we were uh, convening last?
3: I have been on the pints. I was on the pints on Saturday evening slash Saturday. Uh, I was up at the Mayo and Dublin All Ireland semi final, and a rather historic day for football in this country. Um, or Gaelic, as some of our listeners might know it as. But yeah, Dublin lost for the first time in seven years, and it was on the pints. Just a great time to be alive.
0: And of course, you were with people from Mayo, so that would have made it extra uh, special, I suppose.
3: Yeah, I, was, I wasn't was terribly invested, but then as the game went on, when I was in the company of the ones from Mayo, like just started getting involved and... Get involved the crack and then, yeah, went out afterwards. We went to Flannery's in Dublin. Place is bouncing. Boom is back.
0: Yeah, it's been a while since being to Flannery's. How's it, how's it keeping these days without uh, college students to keep it
3: running? It's so weird. Like, there's tables everywhere. Like, when we first went in, I didn't know that it was Flannery's. I had to ask. But yeah, you wouldn't know going in, but it's very strange being back, but it was good to be back.
2: I don't think I could do Flannerys without leaving after half an hour because there were too many people in it. It would be a weird feeling just not leaving yeah, straight away.
0: Yeah, it was a truly disgraceful spot, Flannerys. One or two experiences I had in it. Um, of course, you neglected to mention you. You left me. You left the lads in the lurch. You know we were supposed to go to the pub to watch Liverpool Norwich, and you went away with not a not
3: a care in the world. Classic. <laughs> yes, I was very sad to ditch the man. I had the. Notifications coming through on the phone while I was at the football. I did leave the men, which is yeah. kind of unfortunate. Oh,
0: it's understandable. I actually don't think we've been to the pub to watch a football game since we started this podcast. And that is the entire name of the podcast, just because Corona whereas, premise, yeah. So. Did we, even, did we even go <laughs> around
2: anyone's houses? Um, the... Yeah. And then. Sorry, it was lag there. Uh, I was going to say, do we even go to anyone's house for any the Euros games, or are we allowed to do that at
3: that stage? I d- Euros. I don't think we did for the Euros, but I feel like we did for the Premier League. Premier- uh, I don't think when's do the last
0: time we've watched a match together.
3: I can't think of it either. Unless it was one around Christmas or something. We've watched games on Zoom together. We watched a Super yeah. Bowl on Zoom together, but... And we watched one mm. of the United games, and we watched Liverpool Sheffield. There were there were a few Sundays where we would jump on Zoom and we'd watch the like two or three games that would be on a Sunday. But we haven't watched uh, games together in person in quite a while, actually.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully soon, possibly this weekend. Um, and then, Ronan, have you been up to anything? Have you been on the pints? Have you been to any football games? I know no. for a fact you have. <laughs>
2: Uh Well, yeah, obviously me and Conor were at the Dundalk the Dundalk test game in Tala on Thursday, which unfortunately Dundalk lost 2-1 somehow. Um, if you've watched that game, Dundalk dominated for the last 20 minutes, had a goal very, very wrongly ruled out offside in the first 40 seconds. Yeah, it was annoying because um, we played so well. We didn't deserve to lose, I didn't think. But we did get to go on the points. On, me and Conor were actually planning to go to Belgium afterwards or before the game if Dundalk got through because we're supposed to go to Anderlecht and obviously we both have our vaccines now so we could have that was yeah tempting fate I think when we decided we were going to try to do that As that uh,
0: he says no such thing there's no such thing but, as tempting fate
2: <laughs> I will say there was a really really good atmosphere at the match as the first proper atmosphere I felt in end since 20, early early stages of 2020 so you know football is is back as they say um, it's Unfortunately, in Tala, not in Dundalk, but maybe in a few years we might have that new stadium built or we'll just be, still be talking about it.
0: Yeah, as you said, football is back and that was the first game I've gotten to since it would have been, I think, February 2020, if not very early March. And as you said, unbelievable atmosphere. You know, if you're told uh, you didn't know any better, you're told there are only 1,500 there, you wouldn't believe it because it was it was really the atmosphere of probably closer to 5,000. It, it was absolutely great. And as you said, unfortunate that Dundalk lost. But I think uh, you have to realise that Dundalk are a million miles behind the fourth best team in the Eredivisie. And to go out 4-3 was, uh, it, it's not a great result, but, you know, very good performance. Uh, and the same for Bowles, who unfortunately went out 3-2 to Pauk. Uh, but of course, Rovers did uh, beat uh, the Albanian side 3-0. So they'll be in the playoff. And obviously, we'll be talking about that later with Dave Donnelly. Um, but, yeah, speaking of fans back, full capacity crowds in the Premier League. I don't know how much we'll be discussing it because uh, we've got to watch our time this on this week's episode because uh, the, of the interview with Dave Donnelly. But, yeah, I suppose we'll start with that Friday night game, which was just the perfect way to start the Premier League season. Rowan, I don't think you would have been able to see this live with your, uh, your work no, schedule. No, but... I actually had a horrible work schedule this week.
2: I've worked mm-hmm. five of the last six days. It's... Um... Being a slave to capitalism is no fun at all. I actually missed a lot of the football over the weekend in general. Like the only two games I actually got to see live were United and Leeds and Chelsea and uh, Palace, which was just shockingly depressing to watch Palace. I did watch most of the Liverpool game back. I kind of flicked through the bits that but do stuff didn't really happen.
0: Yeah, I didn't watch the Arsenal
2: Brentford game, but it was very, very funny, regardless.
0: Yeah, Mixer, uh, can we get an update on the the first hashtag Ben White watch as uh, his number one fan?
3: Sorry, boys, we're going to VAR. Oh, yeah, Ben White, he's still shit, mate. He's finished. First game of the season, he's been exposed already, and I didn't think it was going to take that long. Just letting balls bounce in front of him, he's getting bullied around. Like, oh, so good to watch. I am genuinely shocked.
2: I'm genuinely shocked you've never called him Ben Shite on this podcast. (laughs)
3: <laughs> it's right there Yeah, oh God, he's so bad
0: Now everyone else
3: is finding out how bad he is
0: The absolute perfect way to start a Premier League season Newly promoted team Who haven't been in the top division for 74 years, I think Playing Arsenal, you know, full crowd back The manager getting going sw- uh, Singing uh, Hey Jude I mean, yeah, that was you, couldn't, you couldn't write it. a better start And after, after was
2: actually was proper emotional I have seen a lot of Leeds fans defending Ben White, saying like these people have clearly never watched him play a game of football in his life. It was like uh, they might not have watched him in the Championship, which he's probably playing a lot better when he's playing against a fucking arthritic Jordan Rhodes. But when you're playing against actual footballers, he's clearly not that
0: great. Yeah, no. I mean, he, he was shocking. Uh, on one side, I'm like, ah, uh, give him a little bit more more time. But at the same time. I thought he was bad anyway. So, is it really oh. fitting the agenda to blame him for that? Probably not. I,
2: I do think it's quite an overreaction on Ben White. I don't think he's absolutely god awful terrible, but I'm, I'm more than willing to lean into the weave
0: of 50 million English and a half being absolutely terrible. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on Jamie Carragher's commentary? Because I thought he almost got, uh, he was so animated, he was almost a caricature of himself, just saying Arsenal weak. Uh You know,
3: I'd call that defending Arsenal. <laughs> there was one bit uh, it was actually dead funny uh with Carragher. They panned through the through the crowd, and there was this yes. young lad waving, and he starts giving the fingers. And Carragher started pissing himself laughing. It yeah, was so it, funny. The, the camera
0: went to him. He's like, "Yeah, go on, lads. You know, fan <laughs> back And, and then he, he showed the finger, and
3: he's like, "Oh, steady on." Yeah, and, cut you know, like cut away from him straight away. It was great. Carragher oh, yeah. really
0: was just in his element commentating on that lovely. game, wasn't he? Yeah, <laughs> it was fantastic.
2: I did enjoy that really bad, some of the really bad um, posters that they made, the homemade
0: posters. Yes. What, what,
2: was, the, what was the one with the B's? one? I can't remember what it was. I,
0: I don't what know. Was being, it was a brave... Brilliant, uh, bri- energetic brilliant or something.
2: Ener- energetic. And then the second E was electric. But you know the way you're supposed to put, like the B is the first letter of the word. And then so it's B, and then the rest of the word "brilliant." For yeah. electric, they had E, and then they spelled out the word "electric" after it, then as well.
0: Yeah, um, I think that's probably all we can we can say on that one. Uh, any other games of note? I suppose the early kickoff on Saturday. United absolutely smashed Leeds. It was beautiful viewing. Bruno Fernandez with a hat trick. Uh, Paul Pogba with a record equaling four assists in one game. I mean, honestly, I don't know how much you can talk about this because it was just the exact same game as last season. Um, it was amazing to see the fans back and especially amazing because Raphael Varane was just announced just right before the game and it really got the crowd going. It was proper old-fashioned kind of signing announcement, which was uh, just great to see as a United fan. If I wasn't looking forward to that game before, as soon as that announcement came, I was absolutely buzzing for it. And uh, the players... Players delivered. Do you have any thoughts on that game, Ronan? You, you said you you seen that one. Yeah, I did well, I seen second half.
2: I turned it on with ten minutes before the second half. So uh, for the end of the first half, second half, Luke Ealing scored. I was like, oh, Leeds might actually have a chance here. And then United scored with three goals in the space of six or seven minutes. Fernandez was brilliant. Uh, Lindelof played an unbelievable pass for Fernandez's third goal. I think it was, which was he was great. Strange to see. In Pogba, fairness, he
0: is good at that. Maybe not other things. but
2: Yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. I don't really watch him that much because he's shit. Pogba, probably... I That performance came out of nowhere, really, or maybe it didn't. Certainly wasn't expecting to get four assists. And even Fred scored, so
0: pretty all-round
2: good day for United. Apart from the goal conceded, obviously, but it was an absolute Thunderbaster as well.
0: It was a 9.5 out of 10. Um... Yeah, I actually was surprised with Pogba's performance because he played like 30 minutes in pre season against Everton. So I thought it was a mistake to start him, but uh, what do I know? Um, if you go into the other games then, of note, Chelsea bet Palace 3 0, and they never got out of third gear. Chelsea did that. It was just easy. Palace yeah, didn't lay a game. Palace goal. were
2: miserable. Palace yeah. were absolutely miserable.
0: And then, pretty comfortable win for Liverpool as well. Uh, you're probably better positioned to talk about this. But, yeah, pretty, again, more, more or less the same story. Maybe it caused Liverpool slightly more problems than Palace did, but 3-0 is more or less fair, isn't it?
3: Most solid the best player in the world. Uh, the only thing I... I only really caught the highlights of the Liverpool game, but Van Dijk, he's lost a yard of pace. And that's kind of understandable after that lo- um, length of an injury, but hopefully he regains that. Maybe he's just afraid getting injured again or something, but I yeah, can't really complain. Good start to the season, 3-0 win. Come on, the Reds.
2: I don't I don't think, I, th- I think Van Dijk, he's only just, he didn't play a full pre-season either, so um, I don't even know he's, he has lost that full yard pace. He's probably just still getting up to speed, I think. I think it was actually a good game to play him because I don't think he was ever going to have too much to do. If he looked like he was struggling because I hugged him off after an hour. Thought everyone else looked all right. Kaita played quite well, I thought. Simicast filled in quite well. I left back for Robertson. We all accounts, both of them had a very good preseason. Kaita, if he stays fish, it's like having a new midfielder. But we've said that for about four seasons now. So you don't know. Um, hopefully he does stay fit because I do think there is a player there in Kaita. But he does also have legs made out of raw spaghetti. So you don't really know what him.
0: Yeah, and then moving on to probably the last big game of the weekend, you know, we don't have time to talk about all results. Um, but Tottenham bet City 1-0, which I don't think many people seen coming, to be honest, especially after the first 10-15 minutes when City were really putting Tottenham to the sword, and I'm not sure how he didn't score in that time. Um, but yeah, Harry Kane, are you watching?
3: I mean, he's still going to go to City and he's going to score 100 goals a season. It's just whether or not City and uh, Pep's checkbook can agree on a figure. As we all know he's going to go for silly money. And after that Jack Grealish signing, Pep's going to need to offload some boys. So, the likes of Bernardo Silva, potentially Raheem Sterling out the door as well, would be the only reason that you could maybe justify a Harry Kane signing before UEFA come knocking for their financial fair play, which City somehow. Got away with a few seasons ago. Maybe it was the last season. Anyways, yeah, some scandalous carry-on considering Spurs were getting pumped that first few minutes. They were getting willied. And Son Greco, he's a top man and he loves a smile.
0: Yeah, A lot of love in that game for Jaffa Tanganga. Rightfully so, he played very well. But I'm surprised I haven't seen more love for Oli Skip, I put this in the group chat, saying... Ali Skip is good, question mark, because I didn't really know too much about him. And I thought he put in a great performance. Um, And then just one more thing in that game. I seen uh, former US uh, men's national team defender and general entertainer, Jimmy Conrad, making an interesting point about City's defending for that goal, saying that it was really basic stuff from everybody involved, whether it was Fernandinho, Nathan Ake, Mendy, and Ruben Diaz, and saying that these... Uh, errors are not out of tiredness, but more so out of um, just lack, just complete lack of effort. He, of course, was a defender himself and he was talking through each mistake that players made and he said, these players do not fancy it. And he said, Man City will not win the league, which is a bold statement. But if you go over to Jimmy Conrad's Instagram, you'll be able to see the video. And I thought he made an interesting point.
2: Uh, I... Keep forgetting that Nathan Ake plays for City. Every time that is mentioned to me, I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Um, he went for silly money as well, didn't he? Yeah, 40 million. million. Fucking like, I'd rate Nathan Ake, but... He's got a cool what, bar on it. What is he doing at City?
3: Just... Just about. Yeah. Because they can. But yeah, Man City, they're so very, very scary. Just I know that whoever they're playing next week, they're going to absolutely rally them. It's going to be an absolute disgraceful hockey and,
2: I, you were saying about all oh, I was skipped there um, Like he had a really good season On loan at Norwich last year I think they were really desperate To keep him Oh no Man
3: City are playing Norwich I'm talking Norwich Sorry oh, for going across th- there Oh yeah. it's game over They're beating Norwich <laughs> 10-0 um, Yeah Probably if you look On
0: the continent For any big results PSG won 4-2 Against Strasbourg Messi was unveiled Before that game With a great announcement They were playing The Chicago Bulls music He walked out The fans were going mad um, then Barcelona were doing okay without Messi. Uh, they won four two against Salcedad, and by all accounts, played some lovely stuff in that game. Memphis was very impressive.
2: Yeah, um, Braithwaite scored twice, which uh, everybody knew that he was being held back by Messi. He's been free to go out and show he is the best footballer in the world.
0: Yeah, I think we can move on to our next segment because, in terms of league violent of discussion, we've got that covered with Dave Donnelly uh, on the podcast very soon. This is going to be a new segment that we're going to trial. Uh, we're essentially just nicking a segment of uh, the OnlyFans football podcast from Adzi and Cram. I'm okay to admit that. They do a Hall of Fame where they nominate a person each week, and then the three, or in their case, the two nominees go on the Instagram, and the, the followers vote for who should be introduced into it. Now, the working title for this segment is the Neil Warnock Award, because... Neil Warnock is a general legend, and I think everybody loves Neil Warnock. It doesn't matter what walk of football you're from, you love Neil Warnock. So this is going to be a weekly segment where I'm just going to nominate someone and just talk about our appreciation for whatever they've done. So my nominee for the Neil Warnock Award, the, um, the first Neil Warnock Award, is Thomas Frank, the Brentford manager because Brentford were absolutely brilliant against Arsenal. They were really good. He came out, he was get, he was working the crowd. You could see him, he never stopped all day. And then he went over to that fan at the end and, and celebrated with him. That was just great to see. And uh, he just seemed like a general legend, which is the spirit of the Neil Warnock Award. So that's my nominee.
2: I, I am going to go for Keogorhashi, a.k.a. Keogor. Um it's not just for this week in particular, because I think um, he, only sc- he scored a goal against Hearts in the League Cup, I think it was. But obviously, first time we've done this, I think he's been brilliant since he's gone to to Celtic. Not a massive Celtic fan myself, to be honest, but my brother is. And, you know, I do follow them. I just a bit more passively than, than the other clubs that I follow. Uh, I think he just seems like a good footballer. And he just it's, it's just shades of Sunsuk Nakamura. I just, uh, yeah, he's definitely my nomination
3: Yeah, you have gone off the ball with this But I'm just going to stick to the books My nomination for the award Lionel Messi ben, Lionel Messi, because just like Neil Warnock He's a winner and a goat of the game Revealed as this PSG big baller and He's going to score all the goals in the season I don't care if he hasn't played yet He's going to score the most goals ever In one league in season When Mbappe and the boys It's going to be disgraceful Maybe I might go for a bolder shout next week, but Chicago Bulls, music and Messi, it's a dream combination.
0: OK, so a strong first week of the Neil Warnock Awards. So we'll put those nominees on our Instagram and our Twitter and we'll see who's the first inductee. Um, so now I think it's just about time for our interview with Irish football writer Dave Donnelly, who works for Dublin Live. I was supposed to conduct this interview yesterday, but something came up. So Ronan very graciously filled in for me and uh yeah we'll put in this interview now so enjoy
2: now folks i'm delighted to say i'm joined by dave Donnelly, chief sports reporter at dublin live dave how are you good how are you Suppose just kick it off how do you find working with dublin live working in journalism in general
1: uh yeah i suppose uh, i'm only really in the door at dublin live i just started a couple of weeks ago and um, yeah i've been i i've been a freelance journalist for uh well my entire adult life really uh uh, moving from music into sports a few years ago, and yeah, I really enjoy it. It's a, uh, it's uh, I suppose it's a good thing to be able to make money doing uh, something that you really enjoy. So you know, I'm, I'm lucky in that in that regard.
2: Yeah, how did you find? I didn't know you were in music before How did you find the change from the journalism and music to sports?
1: Uh, I suppose it's completely different. The, the the music was kind of very much sort of a, uh, I guess you know interview based and stuff like that. Whereas the the sports journalism, you, you know, it's it's a lot more live events and, and kind of a, uh, I guess time pressurized and stuff like that. It's a different way of working, Well, really, yeah, it's enjoyable. It's just um, I guess that those are both with my two main interests, sports and sports and music. So uh, you know, being able to write about either of them has been has been great, and uh, you know, I suppose lucky luckily enough, I've been able to find work doing it.
2: Yeah, because I suppose like I, I be doing the I've been writing for sports section of the college newspaper as well. So maybe not perspective sports journalist, but it's obviously good to hear from someone working in the area what they how they find it as well.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's um, you know it's uh, it's a difficult job at times, but as I said, you know if it, you know if, if you can find something that you really enjoy and that it's uh, you have opportunities in it, then you know why wouldn't you go for it?
2: That's exactly it. So, the two lads on the podcast, me and Connell, were both Vic dog fans, so we're going to probably talk about how the, how the League of Ireland have been getting on in Europe. It's been a good year for the League of Ireland clubs in Europe. Obviously, unfortunately, the dark and both both went out the last round. Uh, no shame in that. Two very, very good opponent, opponents in Vitesse and Pike in Greece. Um, what are your thoughts on how the League of Ireland has got on in Europe this season?
1: Um, yeah, I think most of us probably went into the season with a bit of sort of trepidation in terms of, you know, um, we were losing, uh, we were losing ground in the sort of uh, the, what would you say, the coefficient table, and we were kind of sliding down Europe. Um, but this season has been, you know, not surprising because I, I do think that the the teams have been improving, particularly in 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 the European performances in the last few years. But it's been, uh, I guess, it's been very nice to see how. How, how good this season has been. And uh, the fact that we've gone up 10 places in Europe already this season goes to show um, the success that teams have had, but uh, really, I think, um, I suppose maybe, may, maybe Dundalk's considering their league form. It's been a little bit surprising how well they've done, particularly how, how they put it up to the test. But, uh, but certainly, you know, Bohemian's performance. And I'm, I'm not surprised in any way by, and certainly Shamrock Rovers have um, been, you know, where I'd expect them to be so um, yeah I think it's it's really positive and I think the the introduction of the conference league has maybe um, opened up a few more doors that maybe wouldn't have been there before as a couple of maybe more more winnable games you're not getting really difficult ties in the first round so it's uh, it's opened up a few opportunities and I think it's been it's been very beneficial for the club so far and you know hof- hopefully Shamrock Rovers can continue that on for the for the rest of the year.
2: Hopefully so yeah because I thought I suppose Shamrock Rovers have kind of shown the benefit of the Champions route, like Dundalk had last year, because obviously Dundalk proceeded in the third round this year, and uh, funny enough, a test with the unseated team. So it shows. I know Rovers went out in the first round of Champions League to Bratislava, but even in that, they won the second leg two, one at home, and then obviously Bratislava are a team that put away Dundalk pretty easily two or three years ago as well. So I know some people have said, you know, Rovers have gotten the easy route, but you know, you still have to be who are put in front of you, and it's not like. He still put up a good test against a very good Slovan side as well.
1: Yeah, I think um, Stephen Bradley's been talking about it in recent years. They they targeted this back three or four years ago when the Conference League was was announced because they 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 knew that particular route was going to become uh, ever more important. I suppose it's gone from you know a previous case when Dundalk got into the Europa League the first time that. Um, they they had to get through you know three rounds and they were in the in the europa league, whereas now it's more of a, a four round thing so you know it, it i suppose the the route there can be a little bit uh, softer certainly Rovers are sh- shown this year in the in the conference league they were lucky enough to get the buy and then they got quite a weak side i think in um in Toyota and uh Flora and um, who by all accounts are a very good side. They're they're certainly not one of the heavyweights of Europe either. So, and um, the, the Champions League route particularly is, um, you know, it's uh, I guess a byproduct of the, the imbalance of, of of fortunes and different things in Europe that it can be it can be easier to go through the Champions route beating national champions and actually going through the 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 um, up to say the uh, qualifying route which which has tripped up bohemians and dundalk by pitting them against teams that i guess are are a lot stronger than any of the ones that rovers have faced in the europa conference league so um yeah it's it's just a, it's a very important thing for for any club now and i think vinnie perth is even saying it the other day that the only the only way he can see a route back into european group stages is if dundalk get back to winning leagues so yeah it does make that ever more important and uh, i i wonder if that might Change a little bit the way um the way clubs approach Europe in in future seasons, but um yeah, it's I, I suppose it's um it can only be good for the league that two years in a row we have teams that are benefiting from the Champions route and, and hopefully that continues.
2: Yeah, I'd, I'd say especially this season for Dundalk, you know, we're obviously we were obviously seeded up into the third round of the Conference League this year. I think we would have been seeded up to the second round in the Champions League route as well. So obviously that would have been probably a lot more favorable route right, for Dundalk if they'd managed to win the league last season. Unfortunately, we didn't. Um, even against Florida and the Grovers are playing against Floor in the playoff now for the Conference League. I suppose rovers have kind of had a similar season to Dundalk last year, whereas, you know, they're there for a reason. They're in the, the playoff for the reason. But, you know, they're not going to get a better chance probably to get into Europe for a while or into the group stages for a while, you think. Because, uh, like, Dundalk played KI Klaxvik from... It was the Fair O'Reilly's last year. And look, I know with Fair Islands no offence, it's not, it's not one of the better leagues in Europe but like they're in the playoffs for a reason and like Floor talent, uh, I know they went out on penalties to Nicos- Ammonia Nicosia as well, they're obviously a very decent side in the Europa League as well so while it's not a guarantee that Rose will get through, it is is—it is a very very good opportunity to get into the group stages and also make a lot of money from it as well, which is obviously the main thing with League of Ireland clubs in Europe
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't be uh, hugely um, familiar with the, with the- uh Estonian League. I know um Levadia played played Dundalk and I was at the I was at the home leg of that and it was um I suppose they they wouldn't strike me as you know a uh, it, it you know uh, as one of Flora's contemporaries they wouldn't strike me as you know a particularly difficult opponent so um I guess there's probably nothing to be to fear hugely for rovers going into the game. And um, they played in Tallinn before um you know they the, the Estonian League wouldn't be wouldn't be any stronger overall in the League of Ireland so um I don't think there's any any real sort of uh fear to go into the game with them um, just haven't seen rovers in Europe this season I don't think um I don't think they'll be cowed or, or scared of anybody either they're they very much play their own game and um, you know um hopefully for them Liam scales is uh, is around for the two games he's been particularly important particularly in the in the second leg against um against Utah. so uh yeah I I I'd be quietly confident that, they, that they'll do it, particularly if they get a good result in the first leg next week.
2: Yeah, obviously the dock fight, I don't want to do too well, but obviously it's obviously nice to see League of Ireland clubs doing well in Europe. Um, I think Floor are actually behind the value talent in the league at the minute as well, so they're probably around a similar standard, and obviously dock you said yourself earlier, you know, they've been poor in the league this season, but they showed that there is quality in squad in, in the European games, so have you thinking they're kind of around the same level. There's, there's no reason my rovers can't can't go through to the group stages here.
1: Yeah, you but I suppose the same we had the same sort of um I guess feeling going into the KI game um for Dundalk last year. It was more a case of the of the unknown, I suppose it was two teams playing at a at a level that they hadn't played at for a few years. So it was kind of um, which one of them can sort of up their game and and, and reach that level and and uh, take the opportunity, I suppose. And as it, you know, as it turned out, Dundalk um, happened to be, you know, a little bit better, and they um, they got the reward for that. So, um, yeah, just I guess the the, the entire Flora team is, um, you know, uh, native Estonian players, um, similarly to the the Rovers team that are mostly all Irish players as well. So it's, um, you know, it's uh, as I said, it's two groups of players who maybe haven't. Um, haven't been as far as this level before, and it'll be a, a test of what they can do. But um, certainly, um, if I was, uh, you know, if I was Stephen Bradley, if I was a Robbers player, I'd be going into that game with plenty of confidence because I do think they're they're kind of hitting the level where they 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 kind of need to be to be succeeding in Europe at the moment.
2: Yeah, so I certainly think with some of the signs they've made this year as well, like Richie Telle coming in, he was very good against Slovan in the second leg. Um, I know the first few games he played in the league, he didn't wasn't quite. Up to his pace now, but he seems to be there, he seems to have gotten there now. So it'll be interesting to see how Rovers get on. Um, but I suppose just in the League of Ireland now, we're kind of getting into the business end of the season. How do you see? There's obviously still a lot to play for. Rovers, a few points ahead on the table, it's not over, but it's still fancy them to to win ahead of St. Pat's and Sligo, the other two teams that are up there. And then obviously, there's a lot to play for in terms of Europe, Derry, Bose, and then Dock the well, Dock hopefully the dogs like you said the Dock's league form has been pretty hit or miss this season um so how do you see the rest of the league season going from here
1: um i think at the moment you'd be i suppose you you'd have to kind of favour shamrock rovers at the moment purely because they're top of the table and i do think they're the best team as well and the only complicating factor there may be qualifying for europe and the, the number of fixtures that kind of pile up at that stage um although the this season the the um the European groups are quite split up. They're not every week, so um I don't think the same fixture congestion that Dundalk faced last year will pop up again. But um yeah, I I would favour them to certainly um continue, and they've gotten over their sticky patch they had in in May June. So they're they're very much kind of back on form now, and I think they're they're they were probably primed um from preseason to peak around this time to peak around the European games. So I don't think it's any surprise to see them kind of forging back ahead now. Um, in terms of the rest of the positions, um I would have I would have said Pats were favored for a second, but now they um on Friday night they lost uh, Lee Desmond to a head injury. I'm not sure how long he'll be out. Matty Smith went off injured as well. they are been missing John Mountney for the rest of the season now. Shane Griffin was already out for most of the season. Um the, the injuries are kind of piling up to a fairly small squad now. So um again it, it, it's gonna be how they deal with that and how um I guess, uh, how, how the new signings that they brought in the window um, how quickly they hit the ground with those, with those injuries uh, in key positions. Uh, in terms of Sligo, yeah, um, they've really hit a bad patch at the moment. with we'll have five, five defeats in a row now. Uh, I think at, at the beginning of the season, we were kind of looking at them and thinking, you know, how well, how well can they do? First few weeks, they certainly yeah, did forge ahead and we were thinking maybe could they contend for titles, but they've kind of fallen away now. As you say, Derry are on a great run of form. They're they're really pushing the top four now. bowls, um, obviously making up those games that have been uh that have been postponed over Europe. Um, they'll be up there and thereabouts, considering or especially considering they now have the um the the domestic front to concentrate on now. Uh, in terms of Dundalk, I think they've probably lost too many games now. It's probably it's probably down to the FAI Cup now for Dundalk. Which I think is going to make the FAI Cup particularly interesting because the last kind of five six years we've been we've been used to you know the, the cup winners or the cup finalists coming from the top two in the league, but now we're going to be looking at a situation where you know any any team in the top division really could win the league, and in terms of Dundalk and and Bohemians, um, they may well be outside the top three, and they may need to um, they may need to win the cup to to even guarantee any sort of European football. So, um that that'll that'll be one to look at i think and the fbi cup may not be as uh i wouldn't say boring but it won't be as predictable as it has been in the last few years with the you know the same teams contesting each time so um that'll be an interesting one to look at but certainly the the title race i think it's kind of it's probably down to rovers and pats at the moment now and pats are pats are as i say they're they're facing a few challenges at the moment so um yeah I, i wouldn't make i wouldn't place any bets or anything like that, but I think that one might be um fairly close to being wrapped up. I'd probably be in agreement
2: there with rovers. I can't really see Pats catching up with them in terms of Europe, European ones, I do think you're probably right about the dog, unfortunately. Um if they were to get European places through the league, it wouldn't be true top three. It would be fourth place. And then you're like you said, you're you're hoping one of the top three ends up winning the cup then as well. So, so they kind of stuck ourselves in a bad situation. And I suppose we're in Bose, We're similar to bows now as well. Whereas you know we don't have European distractions anymore. We can kind of go for the it in the the league campaign. Hopefully we were going to get Europe, we kind of we can't really afford to lose any more games. And you know the form we've been on, I can't really see that happening. Um. So
1: yeah well, that, that you know at the same time uh, the the league is very tight outside of the top 3 um you know I, I was speaking to Kevin Dart from Crawley United yesterday and he was saying you know if they'd beaten Rovers yesterday they on Sunday sorry they could have um you know they could have been as high as fourth whereas now they're i think 7th um you know this what 7 8 points between you know the the relegation playoff and fourth place, so it's there's really not an awful lot in it. any team that can go on a, a run of five or six wins. Will be right up there, but um, you know, just 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 looking at the teams at the moment, it, it it's hard to see any team going unbeaten or going on a long unbeaten run or a long winning streak. So any team that can kind of uh, prove me wrong and do that, could could be you know within a couple of weeks, could be right up there in contention again. So nothing set in stone at the moment, but um. I suppose, uh, in terms of the, the title race, I do think um, it's it's beyond most teams at this point.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people will probably be in the same boat on that one. Uh, so we're just going to finish up the interview with just a few quick fire questions, just about yourself and your experience with football. I suppose the first one we're going to ask is, what was all your best or your worst uh, football memory?
1: So, best football memory is probably from Euro twenty sixteen when uh, in in Lille we we were over there. There's a group of us from extra time over there and uh i just remember being at the at, at the um italy game and seeing robbie brady's goal and everything and then coming back into coming back into leal city center and just the whole town was just hopping the people banging on bins and everything and singing and uh, they coming into the train station and you know coming back on the bus and almost was getting it was almost like we were the team. People were cheering as we came in, just people coming off the, coming off the bus, coming back from the game. It was kind of surreal. Um, and just kind of the, the whole joy around that. And uh, I guess going back there at the time, there was like a, there was a ban on the sale of alcohol in Lille because of the trouble caused by by England and Wales fans a couple of days earlier. So uh, everyone was kind of going around trying to, trying to source alcohol anywhere. And uh we we happened to give ours away to John Caulfield the Cork city manager at the time uh, which I still hold against um the the unnamed person who did that so it was a, it was a fun night anyway so um yeah that was that was big and then i guess lowest moments uh i guess i don't have any hugely low moments because just you know i guess i, I like football so even even bad moments you can still find something to enjoy in it but uh, certainly the I guess the uh, the five one defeat to um to Denmark uh, ahead of the World Cup in twenty eighteen. So I suppose just the way it happened the, the early goal, almost allowing yourself to believe that you know um, Ireland were off to Russia and everything was going great, and then it sort of just falling apart in a matter of a few minutes. That was a that was a particularly kind of a painful moment. I suppose. Yeah, you you to have a bit too much hope at the early goal. I suppose it's the old yeah.
2: thing. Just, it was a bit like France in twenty sixteen. Maybe scored just a bit too early.
1: Yeah, although yeah, the, the France one was interesting as well because we really should have had a couple of goals in that game. But um, you know, just when you kind of realize it when you when you're at these big tournaments or the the big qualifying games that you know some teams just have an extra level. Some teams just have Christian Eriksen. You know, it's just a it's a step too far sometimes. But uh, I guess the the fact that Ireland can can punch above our weight both at domestic level and then. International. It's uh it, it means that things are never um never not interesting.
2: That's exactly it. The the perennial underdogs are Irish football teams, whether it's mm. domestic league or international. Um. So, yeah, that's
1: why. That's why it was so strange to watch. To you to come to tallah and just sort of um not lie down, but just um, almost like they didn't believe they could come out and now play Rovers. It's just, a, it's not a, a sight you're used to seeing from European teams in Dublin. They always just come over and assume that they're, uh, in Dublin or Dundalk or Cork or wherever, they always just come over thinking that they can, you know, play their own game in Ireland. Or, or the Irish team is going to be a typical British-style team and uh, it hasn't really been working out that way in the last few years. So it's uh, it's uh, it was a very surreal sight a couple of weeks ago, but um, I guess it goes to show the... Um, uh, the ground that Irish football is making up at the moment, and it's a, it's an exciting thing to be part of.
2: Yeah, we're certainly we're certainly not used to being the favourites anyway. I suppose the next question is who is your favorite player if if you have any or favourite players in general watching football just growing up?
1: I suppose my favorite player of all time is Paddy McCourt. Um, just having grown up watching him in the league and kind of uh, you know watching him abroad, watching him at the international and just uh you know, I I always just love that sort of footballer is kind of free spirited and just sort of um, does what they want and may not be the um, they may not be the greatest team players in the world, but they they have that little spark of something different. And I suppose growing up, uh, you know, I always loved Paul McGrath as well. Just I, I guess that, you know, I I was lucky enough to grow up when Ireland were qualifying for tournaments and stuff like that. So, um, like just. Seeing Paul McGrath playing was always just a, you know, just my idol. Uh, I remember a little while after the '94 World Cup when I was only a, a little fella, um, going to to get his autograph. Uh, he came and he came to Furhouse Shopping Center and sat outside Super Value, signing autographs. And uh, it was almost like the, you know, the, the most amazing day of my life. I couldn't believe I got to meet an actual superstar and yeah that was i always loved him growing up as well and you know obviously you know robbie keane and roy keane you know uh the last the last kind of 20 30 years we certainly had an awful lot of footballers who have been a uh, good to see if not um maybe not as successful as they might have been but certainly uh yeah it's just uh they're, they're they've always been irish footballers i've looked up to really it's uh they've always stood out to me the, the only other one that would kind of jump out to me would be dennis bergam but i never Never an Arsenal fan. Uh, I'm not Dutch either, but uh, I always just loved watching him play and just, the, I guess, the the intelligence that he pl- played with and just the sheer technical ability that he had. He was just such, a, such an exciting player to watch and such a you know a, an innovative player. And, you know, even just looking back at the, you know, if you're on Sky Sports with the 100 greatest Bergam goals or whatever, and it's like almost everyone is just a cracker or just, you know, you, you can't believe how he's done it. So, um, yeah, those would be those would be three or four players that I always loved watching growing up. And uh, the next one is just what what what
2: is your first football memory if you if you can recall?
1: I think my first football memory, the earliest one I can think of, it's not actually a live memory. It's my brother had a, like a video of I think the nineteen ninety World Cup uh, that he used like we used to watch it on like Sunday mornings or Saturday mornings or whatever when my parents were still in bed and I just remember what was it? I think it was the Ireland and Netherlands game. John Aldridge scored a header, but it was, it was disallowed. I think he was offside, but um, I, I was too young to understand that. So I was on my feet celebrating uh, this great goal that we'd scored. And um, then, then the replay came on and showed the goal again. And me being the toddler, I didn't realise that... Um, it wasn't a new goal. So I was celebrating uh, the second goal. So we were winning now. And, um, and then my brother, my older brother harshly informed me that uh, that that wasn't the case, but that's the, I guess I was probably five or six or something like that, or four maybe, but that's the earliest, the earliest I can remember of football. But uh, I suppose my earliest live memory would be probably a little bit while, a little while after that, starting to watch, you know, um, the English premier league with my dad and my brother and stuff like that. So the early years of that would probably be my earliest memory after that.
2: And then uh, just one final question. We used to have it down as one football wish. Is there anything you would like to happen in football or for something to change in football? Um, when you're developing the football, what, what, would you, what would you want it to be?
1: Uh, I'd like the Leinster Senior Cup final to be on TV, televised live uh, in the Aviva or possibly Camp Nou. Um, apart from that, you know, I'd just like to see I just like to see Irish football on a sustainable footing I suppose and just um, I guess for the league that you know there's a few kind of professional clubs here now and there's you know they're providing opportunities to players but what I really like to see is just a proper you know a well funded sustainable league that can offer you know careers not only to players but to coaches and the you know people who all the all the people who work around clubs all the hard work the volunteers do and you know, um, I, I guess I, I hate this word, but like a sustainable football industry that just means that people can make their living and make their life and uh, and really, you know, bring Irish football forward and and um, just offer greater opportunities to everybody. I suppose and it's something that I, I can see some clubs building it at the moment. Um, it, it'll obviously need a lot of support from from government and from uh, the association, but you know. Uh, hopefully in in the years to come we see a bit more of an appetite for that and we start to see the um the league of ireland grow from being i guess being a being a volunteer led organisation to a fully professional one that can offer the best possible opportunities to to people in all areas of the game and on the other hand i also want to see the, the development of the women's league as well uh, onto a pair with the men's league as well so um certainly something to something to push for is um a move towards a sustainable professional structure not, not just for the men's league but for the women's league as well
2: yeah, I think they're two two good wishes obviously a lot of League of Ireland clubs are based off the back of you know hard working volunteers It'd be nice to see them able to make a living from all the hard work they do put into put in behind the scenes to help League of Ireland take over you know
1: yeah well uh, not, not every volunteer wants the job like plenty of people like being volunteers but you know just to have a have a structure there where you know it can be not only um where I, I guess where the clubs and the league doesn't just um, doesn't just get by that it's uh, you know something that actually um, not only you know contributes to the community but is a sustainable structure that can offer people you know the best possible opportunities to advance in their you know whether it's in their football or in their in their professional life.
2: Perfect. Well, I think I think that just about wrapped up the interview. Thank you very much for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure talking to you. And uh, yeah, you are. Hopefully, hopefully, we see Rovers do well in Europe. Not too well, as obviously.
3: Thank you very much. So, big thanks today for that fantastic interview. And now it's on to the next segment. So, last year we did predictions and we did that on uh, a weekly basis where you got the games right, three points. You got the, like if you said it was a win, you got a point and then losses. But because we're going all out, uh, we're trying to branch the podcast we're just gonna do a quiz this time. And last week I was the first ever winner of a round of the Matthew Flamini quiz. So for this week, I've been granted the privilege of being the quiz master. So just like Connell did last week, I have five questions ready, and it is the first man to to three points will win this week's quiz. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. So this one, I have a list of names here. And you're going to take turns saying names. And the first person to name a name that is not on this list will lose. Do I make do myself decide, clear?
0: How do we decide who goes first?
3: Uh, Ronan can go first because he lost last week. So he's in need of a redemption. I, right.
2: I, I am I am going to lose every round of this this year. I, I'm over go. the Derby County game.
3: <laughs> that is not something to be proud of or publicly admit. Shame on you. So, the first question, this will be based on goalkeepers who have kept 100 clean sheets or more in the Premier League. Ronan can kick it off.
2: Well, power check.
3: Correct. Shea Gibbon? Correct.
2: Mm -hmm. Vandersar? Correct. This is difficult. How many is
3: there? Uh, 16. Oh, that's a lot.
2: Tim Howard? Correct. I genuinely can't name anymore. Well, uh, I have to go with someone, Lehman? So oh, that okay.
3: is the first wrong one. So there were sixteen like... keepers on the list. So oh, starting from cheats, a lot. So starting from the bottom. So the sixteenth is Hugo Lloris. There's Thomas Sorensen, Yuzi Yes, Yussi yes, Shea Givan, De Gea, Joe Hart, Peter Schmeichel, Brad Friedel, Tim Howard, Van der Sar, Pepe Reina. Nigel Martin, David Seaman, Mark I Schwarzer.
2: Neymar got, well, ne- yeah, Neymar Martin. Neymar. Yeah, I would to thought, thought uh, Reina got that much.
3: Uh, David James and Petr Cech.
0: I was kind of thinking of all those, but I was
3: like, 100 clean sheets. I like, yeah, it's a lot. a lot. It's a lot of clean <laughs> sheets. And there are some bombs on that list. And Lehman's not up there. Yeah, Lehman's oh. not. Yeah, I'm quite surprised, I think, by Hugo Lloris being there. Mm. Shit, even, even De Gea
0: I suppose De Gea ah, He's been there 10 years Three, was... Yeah sure De Gea yeah, Here he, he has
3: 338 yeah. appearances So De Gea mm-hmm. Or Petrchek's number one With 202 clean sheets So Connell 1-0 So this one will just be The first to answer With the correct answer In the 08-09 Champions League season Who was the top goal scorer? Messi Correct 2-0 mm. Connell it's not looking good, Rony. So, the next question, the third question, potentially the last question of this week's quiz. So, who has made the most appearances for one club in La Liga? So, who is like the sort of biggest one-man player in the Liga in terms of appearances? First one to get this one wins. It is 550 appearances is the the number. It's not messy again, is it? First one, not right. No. Yes, Ronan. Raul? Correct. 2-1. Fucking hell, He's that was back a, in I, the game.
0: I, 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 did not I, think, was, I did not think that was correct. I was going to say Puyol after you. I'm so convinced it was Puyol.
3: So this one, this one's a bit of a, a tough one. So it's just whoever gets closest to the number. So how many players have scored 100 goals or more in Serie i oh, I'm going to say 25. I'm going to say 18. Ronan Wins, both of is were well, well off. It was oh. 85. 85? What? 85 players have scored. See, I oh, was thinking... From oh. the premier premier league missed, era. Yeah, yeah I, that's yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. I was quite shocked oh. at myself. I just kept scrolling. Sky,
2: Sky Sports has rotted our brains.
3: Yeah. It, it, really, yeah, has it really has. <laughs> so this is the make or break question. I'm just going to take first answer, just like last week. I think, I think you will both know the answer to this one. Who was the referee in the 2010 World Cup final?
0: Howard Webb. How web?
3: Ronan wins oh, this yeah. That's Matthew Flamini that's quiz. A, a
0: comeback. I'm raging about that.
3: You should be. You're turning it up and you, you slipped. Slippy that's, G that's, right there. Yeah, that's a major battle zone. Much,
2: much like Bose in Europe this week, Cuddle had a promising 2-0 lead, but you went out 3-2 in the end.
3: Yeah, it was that's a storming comeback. Yeah, I was gonna say the
0: way we worked the third one I would have won it, but I, I, I wouldn't have guessed Royal. So, <laughs> so
3: not even. <laughs> I I think my first guess for that one would have been Casillas. I thought I was, was like I else,
2: yeah. I thought it was something like we weren't going to get it. It was like someone from fucking like Last Palmas or something that would just know. I was gonna knows.
3: I was gonna do the the most La Liga appearances, but n- you wouldn't have gotten it unless you googled it. I honestly who who is it? I'm gonna look it up now. Actually, I was looking at it earlier on. And it was not a real footballer, but they'd made over 600 appearances in La Liga. Uh, so it is Andoni Zubizarreta, 622 and the most appearances in La Liga. Yeah, that's a, so that's I just a stuck I with one club. So I felt like that was easier.
0: Yeah, I think that just about brings uh, an end to the second episode of the new season of the podcast. So thanks very much for listening. Uh, we'll be back as always next week with another episode and uh, of course Ronan this week you're, or next week you're going to be hosting the quiz so I get a chance at redemption next week against Michael uh, but as I said at the top of the show uh, we have a Ko-Fi page if you go to ko-fi.com slash sewers, you can contribute to the show and that's massively appreciated but of course there's no need to listen to the show retweeting it liking it on Instagram anything like that is massively massively appreciated and yeah